as we look at uh, all the things that he's done and allowed us to be part of this great country. I know that uh, it's not a perfect country, but it's still the greatest country in the world, and I'm thankful for it, and I'm thankful that I get to uh, have the freedoms to even be here, to join together in the park and be able to, uh, to worship our great God. And this morning, you know, I want to take a look at that word freedom. And as we take a look at the word freedom, I, I want to... That's easier. I, I, I'm a mover. You guys know that. Um, I want to take a look at the word freedom, but before we do, I, I want to also look at some, some trivia. Because 4th of July, other than probably the big two, is my favorite holiday. Everything about 4th of July I love, and so we're going to do some trivia about those things. The first thing we're going to look at is fireworks, because fireworks are my favorite. I love things that go boom, and I'll tell you what, we went last night to the Freedom Celebration at Balloon Fiesta Park. And even though we got back super late and knew that this was a church morning and I was going to have to get up early, there's something about the finale of a fireworks show that just makes all the hairs on my arms stand up. There's just something amazing about it. Um, some of you probably know this. One of my uh, plans, well, it's not really my plan because I'll be dead by then, but one of my plans is that at my funeral service, so we're going to have it at, the, uh, at dusk, and um, I'm going to put my ashes in a fireworks display, and uh, I'm going to go out with a bang. So that, that's the way it's going to happen for me. Uh, you know, some people are like, you can't be cremated. How God's gonna, He made us out of dust the first time. He can do it a second time. It's no big deal. Now, I love fireworks, and I love everything about them, so I have to ask you a couple of trivia questions, and you can just shout them out as, uh, as we come back. If you get it right, we'll, we'll give you a prize someday. Um, America's largest Fourth of July celebration is held in which city? It's actually New York City. New York City, the Macy's New York City fireworks display. This is something I found very interesting. How much money is spent in total from the pros all the way down to the people who buy sparklers at Walmart? How much money was spent last year on fireworks? How about this? How about $2.3 billion? $2.3 billion are spent last year. And how many pounds of fireworks did that add up to? 500 and million together, yes. Yeah, so 500 million pounds of fireworks. Now, one of the things I also love about 4th of July, I love the history. Some of you guys know that my degree actually is in elementary education, and I was going to be a history teacher. So the history of the 4th of July and all the things that go with it have always been something that was super cool to me. We went on a long road trip a couple of years ago. We stopped in D.C. We stopped in Philadelphia. We did all the things and had a chance to look at it all. But kids, this one's for you. What holiday, or sorry, what document does this holiday celebrate? Thank you, kids. Yes, exactly. Now, you are a kid. Absolutely, Trent, and I'll still consider you that, all right? You'll always be a kid to me, Trent. Now, what person was the only person to sign the Declaration of Independence on actual July 4th? John Hancock is correct, or if you've watched Tommy Boy, it's Herbie Hancock. How many people signed the Declaration of Independence? 56 is correct. And on what day did those 56 sign it? August 2nd is correct. You guys were just, you know, checking all that stuff out, right? Very cool. Um, now, when we declared independence, 
This is a question that nobody's probably going to get. What was the population of the United States? None? I guess technically yes. Yeah, we didn't exist, so none, none works. After they signed it, how many people became immediate citizens? How's that? Two and a half million. We are now at over 336 million, which means in the last 247 years, we have grown by 13,000%. And, you know, I was going to see, is Josh Bradley here today? I know he said he was going to try and make it, but Josh Bradley is one of our family faith members here at Paragon, and he became a citizen over 30 years ago on 4th of July. So I wanted to point him out as he went through that process. Now, some presidents were born and died on 4th of July. Does anybody know the one president that was born on 4th of July? Does anybody even know any of the presidents? Let's just ask that question. Maybe we'll keep it simple. Calvin Coolidge is correct. Now, who died on 4th of July? Thomas Jefferson and John Adams both died on the same day. And then there was one more that died five years later. I'll give you, his first name is James and his last name is Monroe. Anybody? Anybody? All right, James Monroe, good job, guys. The first July 4th celebration actually took place one year later in 1777. In which city? And it's not New York this time. Philadelphia is correct. You know that in Philadelphia, they still ring the Liberty Bell 13 times every 4th of July to commemorate the 13 colonies. Now, they don't ring it real big. They just tap it now, but they do still ring it. And speaking of celebrations and celebrating that, let's talk about some food because I heard the sizzle back there during the last song that you guys were all singing backwards. And uh, so we need to talk a little bit about food as JD's back there cooking. Hot dogs. One of my favorite foods, I think it's probably why 4th of July is one of my favorite things too. According to the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council, yes, there is one. Roughly how many hot dogs are eaten on 4th of July every year? How about 150 million hot dogs every year? Now, in that, we also know that there are a bunch eaten at a Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest in New York. Does anybody know what city that hot dog eating contest is held in. It is held at Coney Island. It'll be on TV. It's on ESPN because that's the kind of people we are. We want to watch people gorge themselves. As a matter of fact, Joey Chestnut two years ago set the record for the most hot dogs eaten in 10 minutes. Anybody have any idea how many hot dogs he ate? Higher. 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. And that's buns and all. So that's a, that's a whole lot. Now, here's the crazy thing. Joey Chestnut, it, it, and I found all this out by going to the uh, Eating League. There's a National Eating League website that you can go to all this stuff and be completely grossed out by it. But in it, they were talking about apple pie being the most American dessert there is. And the numbers of pounds that are consumed in a holiday weekend like 4th of July is in the millions. But Joey Chestnut actually holds the record for the most apple pie eaten in the in the uh, a matter of eight minutes. Anybody want to take a guess how much apple pie that he ate? He ate four and a half three-pound apple pies. Do the math, and that comes out to over 13 pounds of apple pie in eight minutes. 
Does anybody else want to barf right now? Yeah, because my guess is, is that when, you know, John Adams, he wrote to his wife after they had set up the idea of the Declaration of the Independence and they did all the, all the things, he actually wrote to his wife in a letter saying that the Declaration of Independence and the expression of freedom that comes with it will be celebrated in an annual tradition. He was right. I'm just not sure if he meant for us to be eating hot dogs in mass quantity or 13 pounds of apple pie. But one of the beautiful things about the freedom that we get to celebrate isn't just getting to do all that fun stuff. We get to live and do what we're doing right now. And did you know in the Bible there's actually a common verse about freedom that's often used by both Christians and non-Christians? And what's more interesting is that specific verse isn't just used by regular day-to-day people, but it's also made its way into movies, TV shows, and pop culture. And it's even a verse you're going to hear throughout the halls of academia in high school, in college, and even beyond. It's the beginning of the school year, something they challenge you on. It's something at the end of the school year, graduation, they're going to challenge you on. It's none other than John 8. 32 and you probably know it as I say it but it says you will know the truth and the truth will what set you free so you guys do know that verse and while that verse may show up in all different parts of pop culture most of the time and I know this is going to shock you it's being used out of context they're they're not using the proper understanding of our context and so that's what leads me to my question this morning what is the freedom that Jesus is talking about when he says in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And more importantly is how can we attain that true freedom? To fully understand the context of John 8, 32, we have to understand when the statement and where the statement was made. Jesus had just finished a speech at the temple. And as he had finished that, he had laid out the differences between himself and those who were listening. As a matter of fact, if you go back in John chapter 8 to verses 23 and 24, it says these words. You are from the below, he told them, and I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, with that message, the results are shown in verse 30. In verse 30 says, And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then in verse 31, he begins to speak. Jesus begins to speak to those who believe, and he says these words. If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. Now, basically what he's saying here is that true discipleship, true discipleship is more than just intellectual assent. It's more than just knowing about the truth. It's more than even just knowing the truth. He's saying, really, followers of Christ will hold on to that truth and they will continue in that truth, in his word, meaning they will not only accept his teachings as true, but also they're going to obey and live out his teachings. As the book of James says, it's a, a book that will be actually starting in the, in the month of September, action is proved by faith, and faith is proof of actions. True disciples of Jesus believe that Jesus speaks the truth about God in Scripture. They also know that he is the one who he has claimed to be, and he is the one will continue to be. Verse 25 actually says that people kept asking Jesus, they said, hey, who are you? And I love his response, and sometimes I just wish I could have been there to see it, because I would love to know if there was a sarcastic nature as Jesus even responds. I don't know if sarcasm is a sin or not. If it is, I'm a big-time sinner. But... He actually responds to this. He says, I'm exactly who I've told you I've been since the very beginning. 
I've been telling you the same thing over and over again. And so he says this, and they understand it, and they begin to understand who he is, and they begin to believe in him, and verse 32 comes up, and he says, you will know the truth. Now that you is where our context comes in. That you refers to those who are the true disciples. The true disciples of Jesus, the true disciples, he says, are going to know the truth. Not only will they know the truth, their eyes are going to be open to a greater understanding of that truth that Jesus is. The truth that Jesus' disciples get also brings with it this freedom. That's why he continues to say, and the truth will set you free. Now, you have to remember, at this point in time in history, the Jews are under control of the Roman government. Even though Rome gave them plenty of, we'll call them freedoms, the Jewish population was overly aware. They were overly aware of the Roman presence around them because there was constantly soldiers, there was constantly governors, and there was kings that were over them that were appointed by Rome. Now, when Jesus said, the truth would set you free, he was not talking about political freedom, even though many of those who are listening, if you continue reading that passage, assumed that's what he was saying. He actually said this is a, a different kind of freedom. Jesus provides actually the best commentary for his own statement when he says this in verse 34. Truly, I tell you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave of sin. Now, being a slave of sin, that is the ultimate bondage that we need freedom from. The freedom Jesus offers is actually a spiritual freedom, not a political one. It's a spiritual freedom from the bondage of sin. That is, it releases us from a lifestyle of lawless living. He continues actually with an analogy by saying this in verse 35. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain in the household forever. The people who had been listening, they would have understood Jesus to say this, that they're not members of God's family despite their biological relationship to Abraham throughout generations. Why? Well, it's because they were slaves to sin. If they were to become disciples of Jesus, they would know the truth of their condition, and they would also know the truth about Christ. And Jesus would set them free. Believers would be freed from the bondage brought by sin, and then they would be accepted into the family of God. John 14, 6. Many of you know it. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Knowing the truth will set you free. It will set you free and give you liberty. It'll set you free from sin. It'll set you free from condemnation. It'll set you free, most of all, from death. Jesus came to proclaim the liberty of the captives, and John 8, 36 actually wraps up with these words, another verse that many people know. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free from what? Well, let's go a little bit deeper into some of the things I said. First was freedom from death. John 3, 16 tells us plainly, we have eternal life in him. Our rebellion against God through our sin, because of it, we deserve death. But God, two words that we've been focusing on a lot as we've been in the book of Ephesians. But God, in his goodness, in his grace, and in his mercy, made a way to give us freedom from death through the sacrifice of Jesus. So we have freedom from death, but we also have freedom from sin. Jesus tells us here that we, outside of him, are slaves to sin. We are slaves to sin. And the truth be told, even after we accept Jesus, Satan's not just going to stop and say, all right, you're on his team, I'm going to leave you alone. We know that's not going to happen. As a matter of fact, he's going to do more to make you ineffective as a Christian than he ever did when you weren't a Christian. He's going to attack you in all different sorts of ways. And that is what Christians need to understand, that Satan will not rest until you are in heaven. But 
because we have that freedom. We've been given the power to choose God over everything else. But don't worry, because in that battle with sin, the beautiful thing is we're no longer slaves to it. It no longer has power over us because we have the power of Jesus Christ over us. Through Christ, we can be set free from the bondage of vanity. We can be set free from the bondage of pride and greed and addiction to pornography and gluttony, even though we're going to be eating a bunch of food here in just a minute, selfishness and other sins. We can be set free from that. As a matter of fact, that leads to the third thing we're free from. We have freedom of, and that is freedom of choice. God did not make us robots. One of the things I love as we've been going through Ephesians is just seeing the heart of Paul. He wrote so many different letters. There's a couple things I want to point out to you as he wrote. First one to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. He says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Just a few uh, chapters later, he writes this to that same church. Although I am free from all and not any one slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. We have the freedom of choice. He also says this in Galatians 5.1, one that I heard even on the radio this morning as I was driving in. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. We have a choice in how we live. We have a choice in what we do. And the beauty is those who follow Christ have the power of the Holy Spirit working in them and through them to make the right choices and to live free from that bondage of sin. Here's what we need to know, that true freedom can only be found in Christ. And just like John 8.36 says, if the Son, meaning Jesus, will set us free, we will be free indeed. And this means that without Jesus, the flip side, without accepting him as our Lord and Savior, we can never attain true freedom. Yeah, we might experience some kind of freedom living in a free country, but that is only temporary. Without Jesus, we'll always be cursed to experience chaos, disorder, and everything else we see going on in this world. True freedom as defined by the Bible and in the Bible can only be found in Christ. As we, as God's people, should always seek Christ first, we will experience that freedom from all the things the world has to offer if we're not seeking after it. As we celebrate freedom and Independence Day today here in the park and get to celebrate Independence Day in the USA, man, it's awesome to be able to live as free men and women. And we do that because of the sacrifice of many. Many who have gone before us, who have sacrificed and made that happen. But we also live in freedom in Christ because of the sacrifice of the ultimate one, Jesus Christ himself. And like we said in Ephesians, and we're in that part of it, is there's a response that comes with it. As a matter of fact, First Peter says this in 2.16. Submit as free people, or live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves or as servants of God. We have that choice. The last thing I have written down here is freedom to live in Christ and enjoy that life. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Many of you know it. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. As we continue to live our lives for Christ, God assures us that no matter what circumstances we might face, he will always be with us. This is the assurance for those who are his faithful ones who follow him to those who live their lives under his grace. With this, we, as God's children, aren't bound by the law of sin and death, but instead are bound by the law of God's grace and mercy. We should be continually living our lives to the fullest by making God the first priority in our life. 
I added one last thing on here that I tossed in. We also have the freedom to proclaim the good news of Jesus. The opportunity for me to be able to share about who Jesus is is an awesome opportunity that God has given me. But you have that same opportunity everywhere you go. Every person you meet, every person has a soul. Every person has a, a need for Jesus. Maybe you have a need for Jesus today. I would love to talk to you as we eat hot dogs and do all the things. Maybe you already know about Jesus. Maybe you, you need to make that shift in, in living for him. Don't, don't live your life of freedom in Jesus for yourself, but instead live it in response to him. As we celebrate freedom this 4th of July, let it always remember that true freedom is found in Jesus, and let us be the ones who share it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for who you are and what you've continued to do in each and every one of our lives. God, we give you all the praise, all the honor, all of just our lives. We, we want you to have us. We lay ourselves down at your feet. God, thank you for the blessings you've given us. Help us not to take advantage of them for our own good, but instead for yours. We pray in your name. Amen.